Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Recording Podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. Hey everybody, thanks for being a part of Awaken Church and our virtual gatherings. This week we're actually going to be doing an interview uh, actually over the next few weeks. So we have Leslie hanging out with us today. We're excited to have her be a part of our team, uh, kind of sharing in this Love Over Fear series and getting her personal take. She's a pastor in Hampton. And so just adding more voices to the conversation we think is always a better option than just our own community and people that we have um, common interest in, uh, shared faith, and also we run a lot of similar circles. So this was a good opportunity yeah. for both of us. So Leslie, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself to our community. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks so much for allowing me to be a part of this uh, discussion. I'm excited uh, to see what comes out of this. Um, my name is Leslie Francisco McClendon, and I do serve as the senior pastor of C3 Hampton in Hampton, Virginia. I actually just became uh, the lead pastor in May of this year, so I'm very new in my assignment there. Um, also, just coming off of finishing my doctoral degree at Duke University, um, I received a doctor of ministry and did my work on pastoral succession. And so I'm really glad to be done with school work and I'm honored to be here with you all today. Yeah, well, thanks, Leslie, for taking some time out of your week to hang out with us and talk about some obviously really big issues. I know when yeah. you had talked before, these issues pertaining to racial injustices, just mm-hmm. the unrest in our society today, but obviously COVID is, is right there with it. There's a lot of things yeah. that have kind of caused us to operate in fear versus love, which has kind of been the heart of our series we've been doing now for going on over two months. So it's wow. been a big focus for us. Um, and I just wanted to kind of open the conversation, the dialogue by asking you the question, really, why should we care about some of these issues as humans, but also as a part of the body of Christ? Yeah, I, I think we should care about these issues, honestly, because Jesus cared about them. Um, I really believe that you cannot preach the gospel without justice. Um, because justice is at the core of Jesus's mission. We even see in, um, was it Luke chapter four, that he actually tells us his mission. And he says that the spirit of the Lord anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives or those who were oppressed, um, recovering of sight to the blind, and then to set at liberty um, them that are bruised. And so that's what Jesus was all about. So if he says, this is my core mission, I don't think as people we can deviate too far of that if we actually want to be more like Christ. Yeah, that's great. Do you mind if I ask a follow-up question to that? Like how in your context, I know you said you recently have taken the role of the lead pastor, but as you kind of think through aligning the vision for your church along with that vision of the gospel, because I couldn't agree more that those things are, are, are connected and you cannot disconnect them to really preach the good news, if you will. How are you guys living into that and making it a core issue that your community really lives into? Yeah, so our mission statement actually for our church is building community, restoring hope, and transforming lives. So everything we do really centers around that. Um, And if it's something that deviates from that mission, we try to stay away from it. And so we ensure that um, we are taking time to 
talk to other people, to have a diverse community. And I think one of the things with us too, I pastor a predominantly um, African-American church. So a lot of these experiences are already lived into simply just because of the color of our skin. And so for us, um, and mainly even what we're doing now, a lot of our community have been having several of these conversations with people who look differently than, than we do just to kind of share some experiences and let others in on kind of the journey that we've been experiencing since day one. Yeah, I love that. We've been trying to figure out as a community, um, and I think our, our community has, has been leaning into this really well, but just that heart of you need to have the conversations and practice mm -hmm. active listening you know, pre-deciding that you're going to go into it with the heart of love and grace and yeah. patience. And a lot of those things start with, though, do you even care about these issues? And then hopefully once we get past that core question, it's then really about how do we then have some of those healthy dialogues that you're encouraging. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, um, uh, especially from your some of your lead pastor position, but just mm -hmm. the community at large. One of the things that I've noticed a lot in my discovery of where I find myself on this, on a personal journey is how generations and generations have missed the mark and the opportunities to really pass down um, an environment for a healthy discussion. Not only mm -hmm. has there been obviously systematic oppression through generations and generations through various parts of our society, but it also within the church, we've not done a great job generationally of knowing how to have these conversations. And so I don't want to blame former generations, but I want to break mm -hmm. that cycle. And so from your perspective, can you speak to how, you know, we, we speak a lot about in our community, you know, it takes a village to raise the kids. Yeah. So within, whether you're a parent or not, you're a part of a community that's helping to influence the next generation, wherever you find yourself on that spectrum. Can you kind of speak to your, your thoughts on how do we break and, and reset some of the generational trends pertaining to some of these racial issues? Yeah, I heard someone say something that kind of just stuck with me. And they said that really oppression and sin entered the world in Genesis 3 and wasn't really tackled until Revelation 20 or 21. And, you know, we tried to tackle all of these things in the next five to 10 years. Um, that's not to say that we should stop, but to say that this is a continual discussion and something that we have to keep chipping away at. Um, and I think it's also important that we're continually teaching the next generation um, what this fight looks like. And so, you know, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And honestly, I would also ask the question um, in this scenario, what would it look like if we learned from the kids, right? And I think as parents, as mentors, as leaders, it's definitely our right to have an opinion, no doubt. And we have a responsibility to raise and rear our children. But at the same time, um, honestly, prejudice and bias and discrimination is learned. Um, it's learned behavior. I've, I've never met a little kid who just hated someone based off of their skin color or their class um, without being taught. Now, I've seen people who kind of stayed away from strangers, which rightfully so. Um, but like for me, I lived in a very mixed neighborhood and there's um, a little white girl in my neighborhood that I just love. And every single time we go walking, she's like, hey, I want to show you my new skates. I want to show you my new bike. And so it just really gives me hope for the next generation that we can actually be learning um, some of these messages, some of these implications, some of these lived out experiences from children 
to say, hey, a lot of this stuff is taught. So what would it look like if I just loved uh, without limits? And if I took my fear and my implicit biases out and just saw people for people um, before I saw them as a stereotype or before I looked up a background check on them, what would it look like if I just valued people as human beings? And I think that's one thing that we can learn from them. And the, the other thing is um, a way that you can practically teach your kids or teach our children diversity is not removing them from it. And so I think one of the difficult things is once we come up um, against tension, it's so easy to withdraw and say, well, you know, let's just go to a different community. Let's go to a different neighborhood. Um, because there are instances where some of us, if we don't want to see or deal with a particular thing, we don't have to do such a thing. Um, so if you live in a monochromatic neighborhood, if you can ensure that your kids or those that you have influence over um, develop relationships with people who look different with them or have a different experience than they do, whether that's um, sports or rec leagues, schools, church fellowships, and even of course, as parents and mentors, we have to model it. So the question always goes back to how much diversity do we honestly have in our circles? Who's sitting at our dinner table? Who are we going out um, golfing or playing basketball or fellowshipping with? Because if it's not modeled in our own personal lifestyles, we really have a small to no chance of really um, demonstrating that to the next generation for them to follow as a template. Yeah, that's so good. And I think one of the thoughts that we introduced early on in the series was trying to push up against this, whether it's conscious or subconscious, this idea of an us versus them mentality. And yeah. you're right, kids don't don't inherit that experience mm -hmm. uh, from anything other than the former generations, teachers, influencers, uh, media, things that are around them. They, they acquire that over time, but inherently they, they desire to be friends with everybody and be exactly. And we have an ability to help break down that idea. Um, I love the idea of learning from our kids and having conversations that requires uh, adults and parents to set aside pride, which is another issue in itself. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think it's one that if we're willing to have that conversation with our kids, it does help create that that family dynamic um, that does help break down that us versus them mentality. Um, is there anything else in that us versus them concept that whether it's uh, with families, communities, neighborhoods, churches even, that you would say that you've come up against firsthand in your experience that we can learn from you? Yeah, I would say too, in our families, communities, churches, and even at our nation as a whole, we've become so politicized. And so I think that we tend to only see things red or blue, left or right, when honestly, we can see aspects of Jesus on both spectrums. Um, but I think the question is not how do I become more this or more that, but how do I become more like Christ? Um, and I asked my congregation this question with the hopes that it would provoke us. And I ask and I say, hey, if our Christianity does not make us look more like Christ, what is it that we are practicing? And so I think that we have to be introspective and take an honest look at ourselves and say, okay, am I, am I preaching more of an opinion or am I actually lining up with the practice of what Christ did. And if my life is not conforming to the image and the nature of Christ, then I really need to do some reevaluation and some reassessments. Yeah, and I think, like you said, having that assessment and that uh, introspective of kind of how am I going to grow in this, um, it, it, you can't overstate the importance of we should all be aiming towards looking more like Jesus and less like 
Philip and Leslie and everyone yeah. else. Yeah. And uh, and that doesn't happen uh, without some very um, strong initiative on our part. Those things just don't naturally happen. Um, and you're right. I think the fallout in a good way, the, the the ripple effect in a good way, is something that can definitely change. So I want to leave you with this question, kind of as a an open-ended question. Um, okay. You worked in obviously academia for a long time. You just got your doctorate from Duke. You're in a senior pastoral. You've been in Hanson and Hanson Roads area for a while. Um, yep. I want to kind of get your perspective, maybe locally, but also globally, around how the church can help lean into and step into creating a healthier culture for us to help break down some of the racial divides and mm -hmm. be disciple makers and leaders yeah. in this movement that I think Jesus is calling us to. What would you say? Yeah, honestly, I learned several takeaways from a book called The Color of Compromise. Um, it's by Jamar Tisby, and it talks about how the church has actually been complicit in all of this and has pushed the narrative, um, just making it status quo, ma maintaining it instead of changing it. Um, and one of the things that spoke most to me is he said this, he said, awareness is not enough. He said, you have to be in relationship with people. Um, start with people that you know and talk to them about their experiences. And I think one of the things that the church really has to learn um, is not to treat people like projects, aiming to get them to see from our perspective only, but we have to be willing and take a position of a humility to learn from other people's perspectives. And the other thing that's been a common thread for me is that we have to continue having these dialogues, these discussions beyond hashtags. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we only talk about things when they're hot off the press. And I wonder, like, what will these conversations look like in March of 2021? Is it going to be, hey, I want to keep talking about this. I want to keep chipping away at this. Or are we going to be on a whole different, you know, sermon series that has nothing to do with advancing the mission of Christ forward? Um, and I also believe that when it comes to how can we move forward together, we have to think of doing life more so in circles and not necessarily rows. Um, and that takes a lot of humility to say as a pastor, um, because I'm a pastor, I'm a leader, I have an opinion of the word of God. But for things like this, um, I also wonder what would it look like if we engage with those who have been doing this type of work longer than we have. And I think we need to glean from experts in the areas of injustice and reconciliation. And the biggest thing that I'm learning too, as I'm maturing, is that it's okay to agree to disagree, but I still have to love you. I'm still called to do life with you. So the biggest takeaway is who am I inviting into my circles? Who, who can come to my dinner table? Because it's one thing to sit next to someone in church and worship God together. But I think Martin Luther King Jr. said it, that church is the most segregated place there is. And so what, is, what do our lives look like outside of Sunday morning when we're worshiping? Who are we having coffee with? Who are we going to brunch with? Who are we inviting into our lives? And just allowing ourselves to learn from other people's perspectives. So if the church um, can take an attitude of humility and we can lead through learning. And, and I think that that's something that's so powerful. So a lot of times the church is like, oh, well, if we're not familiar with an issue, we have to speak to it right now. We have to know all of the answers. But how wonderful does that look to say, hey, I, I don't quite know all the answers, but I'm willing to learn. And can I model leading for you through learning from somebody else who understands this a little bit better than I do? And so that's the position that I've really been leaning into and I think will help the church as a whole. Yeah, I love that. And I think 
if the lazy answer to that is, well, because of COVID, I can't do yada, yada, yada. But I think at the end of the day, the church is also called to creatively find ways to yeah. meet the people and meet them where they're at. And obviously doing that in a safe way, but also mm-hmm. learning ways in which we can still lean into that. This isn't an issue that we need to put off for tomorrow. This is a today issue, but doing it in a way that is safe, but also inviting into the, these spaces. So I think Leslie and I would both encourage any of you guys watching this, that mm-hmm. wherever you find yourself in the conversation, start with just having the self-awareness of, do I really care about these issues? Finding ways to have the conversation um, in safe ways that allow you to start moving the needle and, and where you are putting yourself more in circles with people and less in rows, which I think is, is great, a great advice. Um, and also thinking through how we can learn from the generations around us and helping to break some of these cycles. So Leslie, I, I really appreciate your time today. It was a yeah, huge time to be a part of hanging out with you. Um, and obviously we'll continue having this conversation and we look forward to seeing how both our churches and our churches throughout Hampton Roads and Virginia can continue to help be leaders by example in this. So we're excited to partner uh, on that level of the Big C Church and see what God does. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you. And if I can add one thing, I love what you said. We have to ask ourselves, do we really care about these issues? Um, nobody wants to say it, but I think if some of us are honest, the answer would be not really. But what we can do is pray, Lord, show me your heart for different people. Give me the heart and mind of Christ and then allow the Holy Spirit to um, actually get us to dive into some of these issues and give us the spirit of compassion to be able to care um, for things that we otherwise might not care for. That's a great word. We'll leave it right there. Well, thanks everyone for coming out with us this week. Thanks again, Leslie, for your insight and for your time. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care.